0: I wonder, have you ever done anything really, really stupid? Not just moderately stupid, but really, really stupid to the extent you just think straight afterwards or maybe sometime later, why did I ever do that? And wonder how you can ever recover from it or even whether there's any hope of recovering. Such is the damage which has been caused. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's ever a sign saying something along the lines of don't press this button, there's suddenly a terrible desire, a need even, to press that button to see what happens, to see why it says don't do it. Just because you're told not to, it becomes the only thing which is important in life to try to do it, to see what happens. Maybe that's just me. Reflecting on this sermon as I was preparing, I also thought about on Thursday evening, I don't know if any of you connected up to watch the Mass online, but the volume was really quiet and I didn't know what had happened until I looked afterwards, and the mixer just around the corner here, someone during the week had come along and thought, oh, there's lots of twiddly knobs there, let's turn them all down. And so it was turned down and we didn't have much sound. That's fixed now, but it's another thing of, don't do this. Okay, I want to do it desperately. Humanity seems to have this inbuilt desire To do something which is incredibly stupid. Like pressing the button that says don't press the button. Maybe there's a link to Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. Whatever you do, don't eat the fruit from that tree, they are told. And we all know how that ended. The fall as it's sometimes known. Humanity being cut off from God. Removed from the Garden of Eden. So doing things which are wrong have an effect. They do harm. Harm to things, harm to situations, harm to relationships. Throughout the Old Testament prophets, we hear about this. God speaking through the prophet to his people Israel, lamenting the things they've done, worshipping idols, running away from God, doing anything apart from worshipping God and hearing the effect it has had on their relationship with the one true God. Humanity cut off from God, not because of God's vengeance, but rather because humanity, consciously or unconsciously, keeps turning away, keeps further damaging that relationship time and time again. If we have a falling out with someone we know, a serious falling out, we worry about speaking to them, or I do anyway. Worry about even seeing them in the street because we wonder how they'll react. What will we say? What will they say? Will they refuse to speak to me? And sometimes it's easier to avoid them, reducing the chance of reconciliation but also reducing the chance of feeling embarrassed or put out or anything. Sound familiar? Maybe with God we do that as well. Oh, I've done something wrong, God won't like this, oh, I won't go to church, I won't pray because actually, well, what might happen? Last week we were considering how Jesus was wanting to draw all people back to himself, bringing reconciliation where there has been breaking down of relationships. In the epistle to the Philippians, we were reminded of the incarnation of Jesus, God, becoming man. God emptied himself, we are reminded, taking the form of a servant, born a human. Mary then bore God in her womb, so is rightly called God-bearer or mother of God. God became man in the person of Jesus. Through that through the cross, through the resurrection, it has been possible for us to be reconciled with God. And in today's Gospel we are reminded, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God loved the world so much. God continues to love the world so much that Jesus was born. Not because God was so fed up with sinful humanity, but because of God's love and the desire to be reconciled. And that the center of all of this is the cross of Jesus. Today, or more accurately, tomorrow, is the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. The anniversary of when, in the year 335 AD, a church was dedicated upon the site where Helena, the mother of the emperor, had uncovered a cross in Jerusalem said to be the cross of Jesus. On Good Friday, or any Good Friday apart from this year, of course, the cross is processed to the front of church with a word said or sung, behold the wood of the cross on which hung the Saviour of the world. And the reply, come, let us worship. The cross. How many of you are wearing one, I wonder? There are so many in this church including one just above my head here. Some crosses have a figure of Jesus crucified, and so are a crucifix. Some have the risen Lord on them, or just in front of them. Some are quite plain. In the past, there would have been probably a screen, a cross in front of the chancel here in the church, and on the top, a massive crucifix with our Lord, of our Lord on the cross, On one side, Mary, on the other side, John. The cross, I remember most vividly, was in South Africa in a church. Our Lord no longer on the cross, but instead there is the red running down, the blood, the reminder of the blood of Jesus shed for us, but the reminder also Jesus is no longer on the cross. The cross is, of course, a sign of death, a sign of murder. But we wear it round our neck. Would we wear a model of an electric chair around our neck? Or a model gallows? No, of course we wouldn't. But as Christians, we often wear the cross. The cross becoming the universal symbol for Christianity, replacing the fish symbol of the early church. Because through the cross, humanity is reconciled with God. Through the cross, the relationship which was broken is restored. There are many different understandings of the atonement for trying to explain what happened to reconcile humanity with God through Jesus. Jesus. We could spend so many sermons examining them one after another. But there are some important things without going down too complicated. God loves the world. God loves all he has created. God loves humanity. God took on our humanity and was born as a human baby in the person of Jesus. Therefore, God experienced all of life, its joys, its sorrows, And God willingly took up the cross and was crucified, thereby rising from the dead, from that place it is meant to be impossible to escape from. Thereby, humanity was able to be reconciled with God forever. I suspect we have all done things wrong. I suspect we've all damaged relationships with one another at times. And have also probably damaged our relationship with God because of the things we have done. But God loves us and doesn't want to hold these things against us even though we probably deserve it in so many ways. God wants to be reconciled with us if only we will turn to him and receive that reconciliation. Through Jesus, it is possible for us to be reconciled with God. I mentioned atonement, the understanding of how things happen for us to be reconciled through Jesus. It is complicated. Is it that God was vengeful and wanted Jesus to take the punishment we deserved? Was it Jesus willingly taking on board things for our sake? Was it so many other possibilities, so many different ways to explain it? But at the heart of it, look at the word atonement, write it down, spacing between the letters and then you find at one meant, at one with God. That is what we have through Jesus, through the cross. So let us turn away from the things which keep us from God. Let us confess them to God and be reassured we are forgiven, we are redeemed. And rejoice about it. And if we're rejoicing that we have redemption through Jesus, because this is a good thing, is this not also something that other people would like to know about too? So let us, in our own ways, share that news of redemption with Jesus, to those who do not yet know it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.